It is week number three, three, our third podcast, Chat with Cat and Pat. And the first two, I think, uh, second was better than the first. So hopefully we'll look back at this one and say the third was better than the second. But this one is going to be all about you. This is going to be about Katrina Pateri. Uh, this is her subject. I am s- uh, simply sitting here, and I'll, I'll chime in from here to there. But this is essentially uh, your expertise. So we promised these people that we were going to be real. We were going to talk about uncomfortable things. We did that last week. And now I think it's a good time to talk about double Ds. Last week it was about the triple Ds. This week it's about the double Ds, and that's divorce and then dating over 40 years old. And it seems like people are challenged by this, Katrina. And and I guess maybe I got lucky. I was over 40. I found you, and, and life has been nothing but great. But in preparation for this podcast, I, I Googled divorce and dating uh, over 40. And the horror stories that are out there uh, are something like they should have a reality TV series right now. There's some amazing Instagram posts of people who recap like their first dates their second dates and how gone wrong <laughs> they've been. And I was like, how did I miss the boat on that? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess it's eventually once this thing takes off takes off we're going to include uh cameras in here and we'll put it on youtube so people don't can't really see us um you're, you're a beautiful woman you've always gotten enough attention from men where getting a date versus dating i feel like are two very different things yes so like if i wanted to have a date like tonight tomorrow night I could easily find someone to think. Okay, you, you're not allowed to. Well, no, no, I'm just saying. That's the $15,000 diamond on your finger. That prevents you from dating somebody else at this point. Hypothetically, I could walk into the grocery store and probably figure out a way to have a date within like the next 72 hours. But it's, is that a date that I really even want to like waste my time on? So, you know, we talked about it the first two weeks, so it's it's not a surprise. Uh, you've been divorced twice. Um you know, your your kid, who's now 20, I feel like was much younger post-divorce one. Mm-hmm. So maybe before you met your second husband, dating wasn't, maybe it was more difficult. I'm not sure. But after you got divorced the second time, how old were you? Okay, 33 years old. Um, and it took you until you were 30. To find me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what happened in those three years? Because I feel like if you pop up on the market. That, that was five years, not three years. <laughs> what, five years. But if you pop up on the market, you're you're making a good salary. You're successful. You own your own home. Uh, you're driving a nice car. Yes, you got a little bit of baggage. But who doesn't at this stage in the game? Like, where were all the men that were courting you the, in the right way to try to, to land what I think is a spectacular prize, a spectacular woman? They were either in happy marriage or miserable just not divorced yet. So what were the difficulties for you dating, you know, as you're approaching 40 and into your 40s? Why did you essentially say to yourself, I'm done? Because you said it last week, it was your co-workers that bought the gift card to go well, to match.com no, no, no. to it find my old next door neighbors that bought the oh. gift card when they moved. And then my coworkers who applied the pressure for you to use that to gift get card. back out there. Okay. Yeah. So why did it take a combination of your neighbors uh, and your coworkers to put you back out on the market? Why were you essentially done with the idea of dating with a purpose at that stage in your life? Because if I sat down and thought like, if I'm really getting it in, into a committed relationship again, there was like a list of non-negotiables that had to happen. And most of the options that are out there to hit those non-negotiables do not exist. People live with their parents. People don't have consistent jobs. People don't have friends that they've had for longer than 18 months, which means they can't maintain a long-term relationship in any form. Um, There's some crazies out there. There's some creeps out there. Um, there are people who we live in a world of social media now where dating is all like on an app. So you could be there thinking you're in a great place at 2 a.m. in the morning, you're sleeping and that person is looking for the grass is greener option right there on the iPhone, right there on social media. 
So I think that there's like a lot of different options and ways that things can go. Uh, but I also feel one of my things was I didn't want to date anyone that had children, even I had a Excuse me. Uh, yeah, that that excluded you. So so that was uh, an exception that had to be made. What happened to your non-negotiables? Well, it came to the point where the options of those that didn't have children didn't have children for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so as I was approaching 40, it was if I wanted to find somebody who was halfway decent, I had to embrace them having kids. But when you say embrace them having kids, again, you know, it's one thing if we go back in time to when we first got together, not for nothing. It's one thing to date and even be in a committed dating relationship with somebody that has kids. But when you go from month three to month six to month nine and eventually you realize you're still together and you're building something here, I feel like there's another step in the responsibility tree there where okay now you're you're dating somebody that has kids you may have fallen in love with somebody that has kids but now if you're going to stick around you've got to embrace those kids just about as your own and with all crazy that comes with no crazy what well, yeah like, I, there's a little bit of crazy well some people get lucky and there's not some crazy but there's always a little crazy that's there but you gotta go with the flow on all of it and I think my thing was, and maybe you'll remember this, I was happy at the age that your kids were. I told you, if you had toddlers or babies, you were out. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, not for nothing, the youngest was nine years old. He, he was, I feel like he just barely made your cut um, because he was approaching double digits at that right. stage. At that point, when I met you, my son had just gotten his driver's license. Yeah. There was like, a, like freedom was on the horizon. So like going to nine years old, and kind of having to backtrack a little bit and knowing that I got pregnant young, I did the raising all young, like it's how long do I want to prolong before I get to choose my schedule and my routine without having to factor in children. Yeah. And that's, I feel like a, a very difficult part of this whole equation, quite frankly, uh, with you. It was easy for me uh, because your son was 16. And at that stage, he had just flipped to spending more time with dad for, for high school and college reasons. So we got to embrace him coming over on weekends and, you know, needing favors and, and having meals here. And we got the good stuff. Yeah. Whereas I feel like it's the polar opposite for you with my kids. Right. Where you get to deal with all the crappy stuff. Um, yeah. But you, you do a great job of it. There was no empty nest feeling for like even a minute. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, you know, and it's not going to be all about us, but in fairness, you know, when we got together in January of 2020, um, we had a couple of in intense months early on and, you know, we were traveling together because I travel for work, you travel for work. And you know, we were in that honeymoon stage where you can't get enough of each other and our schedules for allowed it but two months in we're we're in nashville three months three months in we're in nashville and you know we're at a bar at 11 o'clock at night and there's rumors at the bar that they're going to be closing down three four hours early and the whole street in downtown nashville is closing for covid and it got to the point where getting home the next day was a very hairy situation because the world shut down and we had a choice to make at that stage mm -hmm. like we were all in at that stage but it was only three months, but we're talking about quarantining and essentially staying together or being apart for an indefinite amount of time. I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. But thinking back, you must have had some hesitation at that stage. Like, well, it's like, what is that? Like MC Hammer sign, like under pressure. And it's like, so do you go back to being single, but like completely single where you can't like see anybody? Or do you say, if we can get through a pandemic, then it's meant to be? And we did. We, we got did. We got through it. Here and, and here we are all these years later. But, you know, going back to the core of the program, I, I think that one of the things that is really, I think it's hurt dating across the board, but I think it's really hurt dating uh, for people our age, anywhere from, I'm going to say 39 to, to 58, somewhere in that demographic I think that you brought up social media, you brought up the apps, and you said the grass is always greener. And instead of people embracing who they're with, 
they've got, whether it's the basics like Facebook or Twitter, uh, they've got, you know, their exes, you know, staring them in the face. They've got their high school sweetheart who may have aged really well, you know, posting her pictures. And, and there's always constant temptation, but those are the G-rated temptations. I mean, the apps that we have today. I, I mean, it takes like one bad argument or one way of like pissing the other person off. And rather than taking the time to think about it or being a little self-aware, like, was I grumpy? Did I react rashly? Did Am I being unreasonable in the big scheme of things? It's like, oh, like this is ridiculous. And all of a sudden, ding, 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 this person's messaging or ding, ding, ding. Uh, this person looks like they, they weigh less than my current significant other. And, you know, we don't work through or give ourselves like the time to think about, you know, Every day is not a great day. Every day you don't get along. Every day you go to work. It's not a fantastic day at work, but you still got to work. So why do we not have that same, like every day is not a great day with our kids. You're going to have an argument with the kids. You have to be the tough parent and maybe take stuff away and it's awful and it stinks, but you would never look to go online and be like, how do I replace my kid? But we so easily will do that with a significant other. I mean, not for nothing, you know, post your second divorce at what, 33 years old, you you were there. You were thrust into it. Uh, it was, I don't know, was Tinder, uh, Bumble. Did those things appeal to you? Did you utilize them? What was your thought on hookup apps, apps versus oh, dating God. apps? Well, you're not, you're not a hookup person. No, they intimidated me. And at the time, like Tinder was the one that like, if you went on there, then that was code that like all you wanted to do was have sex. You were so DTF. Like, absolutely not. And I didn't even really know what that phrase was till I started watching Jersey Shore a few years ago. And I was like, wow, I missed that boat. Um <laughs> There were, and by the way, now you can't you can't miss Jersey Shore. No, 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 no. Now I'm like obsessed. But um, but yeah. So Tinder was one that you stayed away with. Um, Plenty of Fish was like one where that was like the creeps were because it was like the free one. So that was the one that you're supposed to like stay away from. Yep. Um, Match.com was supposed to be good because you had to pay for it, and that was supposed to be all right. But um. My next door neighbors found success there. My dad had like a couple long-term girlfriends he found success there. I would say that was the one I probably heard the most success from was Match.com. Um, eHarmony was one that I really went for because to me that seemed like more of the working, the mature, the adult aspect. Um, but that was the, see, you're you're an old soul. Right. So I'm I, like, even, who's going to embrace Murder, She Wrote and Golden Girls with me when I'm in my 30s? Because like, he, even he, that person. He, I mean, you said last week that you weren't ready for a third marriage, you know, going into this thing with me. You weren't ready for, you weren't even thinking down that road. But in the back of your head, maybe you were because eHarmony, for years and years and years and years and years, their whole marketing campaign was about finding that person that was right for you through scientific facts and studies and, yeah. and quizzes and yada, yada, yada. Well, the reality was, is these were all the apps that I wanted to try in my 20s. But here I was, single divorced early living at home with my dad because my sister my mom had passed my sisters i was waiting for my youngest to graduate high school with a toddler and i worked retail so like the idea is like when you go on a date like that would be like the time that i was free but i didn't really have a lot of free time and then what am i gonna like sacrifice and shift through different social media apps on like what are my date options i was able to meet and date people at the time that i met through other people that probably weren't the best options for me. But I mean, that that's what life was, though. But that was what life was. So then taking it back a step, okay, so now I'm in this place again in my 30s. Now my son is a little bit older. Now I do have a couple days free where I could go on dates and do this. Do I take this seriously? And then like once I dabbled in, it was more of a nuisance. And I all I wanted to do was run as far away from it as possible. And if this is what the dating world and the dating option was, then you know what? Uh, I I drive a great car. I was able to find myself again and find hobbies that I enjoyed. I had a great friend group. Um, I had the best next door neighbors in the world. I owned a house. I had a kid. And uh, I got very comfortable traveling and going on vacation by myself or finding my friends that I had across the United States and planning a trip to go and see them. I didn't really feel like I was unfulfilled, but I definitely felt like 
I was lonely. Yeah. And that's, you know, the, the loneliness is, is what they certainly capitalize on. And that's what the broad appeal is with all of these uh, social media apps mm-hmm. and dating apps. Uh, I read something that across the globe from from here to Australia, there's something like 11,000 different dating and hookup apps that are available across uh, Android and iOS, which is just an insane amount of apps dedicated to a very similar thing. But when you were trying those apps, were dick pics coming to you? I have never gotten a dick pic, thank God. Would you like one before the end of the show? No, I am good. I'm are, you, good. are you sure? I am 100% good. I do not need that. I never got that. But you could text the show. At- no, I will say that like when I was traveling for trade shows or different conferences or different events, there would be things like if I was enrolled in some of those apps and I land in Vegas, like the options were endless of possibilities and dates that I could have. If I was to, I mean, I traveled to the middle of nowhere, Bangor, Maine, sitting at the Howard Johnson's to go like Brady Bunch style while I was on this trip and I get a ding on somebody who apparently like location assistant came up and somebody else who was sitting at the bar is messaging me through a dating app. I didn't even realize I still had. So you never once took advantage of no. a hookup app, a dating app, God. while you were traveling, while you were in Vegas. No. I mean, you didn't scroll through a little mild temptation. You've had one too many drinks in Vegas. I will say I did do it at the gym just to be nosy. Like, you know, when you're like doing like three or four miles at the gym and then you see like people coming in like, do they happen to be on the app? Like, can you read and kind of know about them from a nosy perspective? Because that dude was hot and you wanted to get to know him or something? Or well, just, it yeah, was just you see him there every day? You know, yes. Yeah. Like, curiosity. It's like, you know, um, I grew up with my grandparents wanting to put a lawn chair out in the front yard and watch everything going on in the neighborhood and just kind of know everybody's business. Yep. It's like the way that you can kind of do that is a different version of social media. So, like, why not? I'd say that's probably the worst that I ever did. <laughs> and, and if that's the worst you ever did, I, again, I win. But, it, you know, going back to this whole thing, there's, I think, you know, you've, you've got a country here where over the last 40 years, uh, the likelihood of a successful marriage has gone down exponentially. And now it's under 50%. It, it's trending closer to 45% for people that make it through their first marriage is their last marriage. With all of these dating apps and social media presences and and constant temptation out there, I, I get it with you. You're an old soul. I don't worry about you um, finding temptation elsewhere. But how do other people that are going into this into their forties, you know, maybe their first marriage got dull. Maybe maybe they were more like me. I stayed married for fourteen years. For thirteen and a half of those years, I desperately wanted to be divorced. But I had to wait for my grandfather and then my father to die because I grew up Irish Catholic. And the Catholic guilt that comes with divorce is something that unless you grew up that way, you don't get it. Like you don't get divorced. It's a one way ticket to hell. That is what you are taught in Catholic school. So it it took them dying and then me being able to ask them for permission post-death, knowing that they couldn't come back to me and say no (laughs) to make it okay. And once I, I realized that it was okay, I, I couldn't wait to, to be done with it. But that's very different from what I think is causing a lot of the divorces out there now. Well, I think the big thing is, is to your point with social media, with the dating apps, you can look on Facebook, you can figure out whatever people's interests are, what their hobbies are. You can tailor your profile. You could do research and homework and say, yeah, I'm into this or yeah, I like that and blah, 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 blah. Then you get married and it's all of a sudden, I'm never going to a basketball game or I can't stand when we do this or, um, you know, now that we're married and it's a combined income, I don't care what you think about the finances. I'm going to go shopping a hundred times a day at Target and I want a $75,000 car that we can't afford. Um, And the keeping up with the Joneses of what you see like on Instagram and TikTok And I think that plays a role in a lot of people's relationships. And we've kind of lost touch on who are you authentically? Who am I authentically? Do we have things in common? Do we have common goals? Do Can we go out to dinner and not have to sit there and not speak to each other because we have absolutely nothing to say? Or can we, you know, you know, I appreciate the fact that you and I can go back and forth on like a Celtics game or make an announcement 
before the other announcers do, or we go to the gym every day. Um, well, we have we have I've loved it. We like to eat, so like I mean that works out. Like we're, we're not having a pissing contest on who's going to be cooking in the you, kitchen. You realize you just stole a line from from the office, right? I have no idea. So so that. so, so <laughs> Pam Pam legitimately said that about Jim. Yeah. She, said, she said I like to cook. He likes to eat. Uh, I like to dance. He likes to watch. Like those are. But I like that about us. It's what makes us work. But we are very lucky because. You had a ridiculous list of compatibility things that had to be met before you that were I wasn't the next to step. On. No, and, and yeah. even one, even when COVID hit and we were forced to sort of jump in uh, full speed, you still had the parking brake on at all times. Oh, I had timelines. You had timelines that had to be met, and, and these were not short timelines. You're like, all right, at three months, this is acceptable. At six months, this is acceptable. Nine months, twelve months, eighteen months. Like I had to be patient and sort of wait for you to because you had programmed yourself into these beliefs and as badly as i wanted to learn from my past indiscretions yeah but those indiscretions aren't my fault they're not my doing and i'm not those guys that's what i wanted to say to you but i wanted to be self-aware not to make a piss poor decision again right and i you know again I came with my own baggage. I came with the kids that have got their own issues, an ex-wife that doesn't quit, um, and a low credit score. And I'm making myself sound like a loser, but I also owned my own home, had a, a significant salary with a job I'd been with for 10 years. You know, my best friends have been with me since kindergarten. So, Which was one of my favorite features because one of my best friends has been with me since kindergarten. Yeah. We even had that in common. Yeah. So I think the ability for you to have like long-term relationships in your commitment to your kids, your commitment to your mom, um, the longevity you have had with work. Um, I'm the first to know that like with divorce, I'm sorry, you're going to have debt. You're going to have a crappy credit score. My concern was, is do you have a spending issue? Um, do you buy things that you don't need? Do you see something shiny and like want something new? Or if you do see something shiny like you did today and I'm like, no, we're not doing it. You have to wait 15 months and it's okay for you because there's a plan for us to get there. Like you can be patient and wait for us to get something. There's a lot of people that can't do that. I mean, not for nothing. I saw something shiny today. It, it wouldn't have cost us a dollar out of pocket today mm -hmm. uh, or at all in general. And m my credit score is now up over 700. I didn't need you. I could have pulled the trigger today, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't do that because we are a unified front. And I, I knew that it was going to go beyond just whatever the, the bill is and who's paying the bill and what the finance rate is and yada, yada, yada. I, I knew that if I brought it home and discussed it with you, that there would be an even better option for me down the line. And and that's essentially what we discussed tonight. Yeah. But the thing is, the, the shiny thing that I wanted was very impulse-based. And I've already got a very similar shiny thing. So they're really. So, what we're talking about is a new SUV that we just don't need. But, so, I have a 2019 Lexus RX and I fell in love with a 2021 Lexus RX. But they're making you wait at Lexus. You fell exactly into their trap. I fell into their trap. I had to wait for 45 minutes and I went out there and might have taken it around the block. It was, it was a very nice car. Um, and the price was right. But that's okay. I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to jeopardize everything that we have sort of built here but that's what makes us rare and the advice that you would give to i don't know you know a milf in Wyndham, uh so it's an elite ish you know upscale community in in the boston new hampshire area in new england what advice would you give give to somebody who's getting divorced for the first time they're 41 years old their kids are 14 and 19 and they still look good. They've got money in their pocket and they're eager to get back out there. How do they do it in a way where if they want something meaningful in their lives, they can sort of avoid the traps of, of Bumble and Tinder and dick pics and trying to, to be 19 again? They have to take time to figure out who they are as a single person because they just spent however many years married or however many years is just mom. And now you need to figure out or just add. Um, now you need to figure out like, who are you as a person? You're still going to have children. You're still going to have an ex, but like, who are you? Do you still have the same things of an interest that you had before? You're going to have free time because you're not going to have your kids the whole time. Now you're going to have like days off that you never had before. How do you fill those days off? What do you do with that time? 
um, the way that you spent money before, now you're a single income, you're not a double income. Like, how do you think about that? And how do you think independently on how you're going to provide for yourself or how you're going to plan for the money that you're going to get out of the divorce to make sure that you can be on your own and you need to you need to find your independence and when you find your independence and you find the things that are personal interest to you like you might learn like you know what i don't like taco tuesday every tuesday mexican hurts my stomach i'm not a tequila person and so like who's the other person out there that's like okay mexican isn't for me um but i've always loved indian food and my ex would never let me get indian food so like i want to find some of these things to share with somebody else. The only way you're going to get that is if you take time to rediscover who you are after, and what have you learned? What have you learned from this chapter of your life that's closing? And what did you like that you learned? What did you not like that you learned? And then how are you going to move that forward with what the rest of your life is going to be? So you said that, you know, you got divorced um, and you were, were you 33 at the second divorce? Yeah. So I know... Uh, between them, that time and the time that you met me, you had essentially, you had two longish term guys in your life that you said from day one, you knew weren't going to be your forever guy, but they were there for a while. Mm -hmm. But you also met me five years later. There's no way that the two J's there were the only two guys that weren't, I mean, I some privacy, right? But yeah. there's no way that, that you weren't out on a dozen other dates outside of your, your period of time with those two guys. Oh, I definitely went on first dates, but they were like epic, laughable first dates. Like were, really were they bad. online first dates? Um, some were, you know, I have somebody to set you up with. I went on a blind date. I decided like, why not just be open-minded and at least have something to talk about on the weekends. So like when I would go out with my girlfriends and go see live music and do some of these social things or go to the gym, like I had a whole bunch of gym buddies, like, and have things to discuss about, like it was comedic on like how many bad days, like I wouldn't want to say how many, there was like, you know, maybe 25, 30 bad dates in the span of five years. But it was almost like, like I, I could be a reality TV show. Like yeah. this is awesome what some of the stories were. Um, but also it was like figuring it out and getting that confidence piece. Um, but then also going through that process, like I do feel like I have to interview like a hundred people all the time to like hire and have his jobs. I got better at interviewing. I got better at presentation skills. Um, I think by the time I met you, like I have no problem having conversation. I do podcasts apparently. Um, and those are different things. So I definitely think it was a confidence booster. Um, but I definitely think it also, it helped me figure out like, no, I am definitely allergic to cats. If you have cats, like no judgment there, but if you're not a dog person, it's just not going to work. But I, I feel, I, you know, this podcast is, I think it's entertaining, but it's also making, it's making me feel bad right now. And I, I say that because you've said it three times that you know, when you were got back into the dating world post-second divorce, that you had, you know, gym girlfriends and, and went to go see live music with them. And yeah, I know COVID hit and whatnot, but did you lose some of that friend group because of me or was it because they were so much younger because you worked in retail well i mean some of them were younger than me so like that's who was available um some got married yeah and some met people that they had um some got more involved like as their kids got older the sports get more involved yeah and there's things that kind of evolve um i also like you know, you get sick of doing the same scene year after year. Well, I mean, once you're like, in your approaching your low to mid 40s, you know, you and I love going out for live music. We love mm -hmm. it. But we also leave reasonably early. We never stay to the end of the show unless we pay for concert tickets because, you know, driving home after 11, 1130, after having a couple of drinks is is dangerous. And, you know, we don't want to feel like shit the next day. It's right. just you make those decisions differently after 40 than you do before, before 40 years old. Right. I think just like life evolves and those things that you enjoyed, I would never give back that time. I absolutely loved every moment of having that time with my social life and my friends and families um but i kind of grew out of it and it wasn't like fulfilling enough that i feel like probably like the last two years before i met you i did enjoy my alone time and i enjoyed getting like hello fresh and doing dinner and a movie and or 
cooking dinner and having it matched to the movie. Like it's complicated, for example, like what are they cooking on there? All yep. the same thing. Um, you know, I enjoyed being home with my dog. I enjoyed, you know, going on runs by large bodies of water, or going on hikes with my dog and just kind of having that time where I didn't have to be on and I didn't have to talk to people. Um, and things just change. I feel like every five years you evolve into something different. Um, but they were all definitely learning experiences that brought me to where I am today. God, so that means in, in about a year, you're going to evolve into something that doesn't want this anymore. I, I, like, I, if we evolve into something different every five years, what's the guarantee that you're going to want to be here in a year? Well, I think it's like, all right, so how many times are we going to travel to Florida? Are we going to like, you know, dip our feet into going to Europe and getting some of those trips or... Like when we were walking the dog the other day, I said, all right, I want to pay off my SUV, but I kind of miss having like, you know, a little BMW car. I'd like to have that and go like outlet shopping, just kind of whip around town in when it's like a nice day. Like those are things I'm going to evolve in. That still includes having a person, but it's just like, how do you like level up some of those interests or like jazz it up a little on the things that you enjoy um, so that you're still getting out there, but you're just doing it in a different way. So it, it's Cat and Pat, episode number three, uh, talking about dating and divorce after 40 years old, brought to you by Jill and Company and, of course, TitanHair.com. We'll get into those sponsorships a little bit later before the show's over. But Katrina Pateri's brought a lot of life experience to, to this particular show. One thing that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it before we get out of here tonight, Katrina, is we've talked a lot about dating and apps and social media, but we're both old enough to remember what it was like sort of before social media and before the apps. And here is where I think we've got such a huge fundamental problem. You and I love watching old TV shows. So we watch The Love Boat almost mm -hmm. daily. And there's inevitably in every episode, uh, there's a bar scene with, with my favorite bartender, Isaac, and, and there's people hitting on other people at a bar. Nobody has got a phone in front of their face and the women welcomed men talking to them. The the men welcomed women talking to them. I got to tell you, if, if I were single, if I had never met you and, and I were still single these years later post-divorce and I went to our local bar, I'd have to think twice before approaching a woman in today's day and age because everybody's on pins and needles. You could offend them. You could, right. you could offend them. You could be accused of, of you know, some sort of abuse or sexualization. Like, you don't want to be that person, especially we live in a small town here. And if you get labeled that way, it's all over. Mm -hmm. But I think there's become a, a general... I think there's been a fear now in just approaching a stranger because you think they're attractive or there's something about them that intrigues you. I think that's a big mistake for people in general. And I think, you know, I have the conversation with our youngest all the time, including tonight on the car ride uh, to Civil Air Patrol, about the importance of continuing to develop your social skills because those social skills are equally, if not more important in the long run than the academics that you learn in school. And the longer that we have our faces down in our phones and our phone and technology dependent, it's one thing when we're a phone and technology dependent for work purposes or for communication purposes. But now we are 100% phone and technology dependent for everything from dating to uh, craving our, our sexual needs to work to and everything in between. Our, our, we watch more TV on our phones these days than we do sitting on our couch watching a television. Everything is in your right and or left hand. And I think that that is doing a major disservice to what dating used to be, what dating should be. And I don't think it's a coincidence that there's been a, a, a giant rise in failed relationships over the last 15 years as this technology that's in our right hand has continued to evolve. And there's no end in sight. So we're looking at a world where 50 years from now, people just aren't going to be cut out for long-term relationships anymore. And they could probably date robots 50 years from now. I mean, who knows? But like, you know, kicking it back to some of the old shows that we see, like people did not have TVs in hotel rooms. People did not have TVs in their bedrooms. Um, like if you went on vacation and you left your job for a week or two, you were 100% on vacation. You were disconnected. With your friends and family. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're going on vacation in like 10 days and I have to keep giving notice that I am not taking my phone. I am not taking my computer. 
I don't care if, you know, you need to get dentures that day or you forgot to punch out. Not my problem for the five days that we're trying to get away. And that might be the first time in four years that that happens. But here's the, the sick and cruel irony is if they need to reach you, they will. Well, there's there's always a way. They'll find a way. Like there there's definitely an option. And I definitely think that the way that technology has evolved, um, like back in the day, even when we were growing up, we went outside. We had to create things. We had to figure out like how to play with our friends and play sports or make believe that like the backyard was a house or make mud pies and get creative and do different things and, and figure out how to entertain ourselves. We as a society with kids nowadays, every entertainment is behind an iPhone, behind an iPad, behind a fire stick or whatever these but things that's are that's called. why there's such a rise in in and you know, ADHD and, and you, all that you, you see it in your job every single day it's people don't have to talk to each other or if you do talk to somebody now it can instead of giving somebody the benefit of the doubt it can go sideways really bad that you have to date through a social app because if you're dating through a social app then it is put out there that you've given permission through the app that i'm approachable and so then it's acceptable to be approachable. And then through that, you don't actually have to see the person. So if you don't like them, you can block and ignore and you don't even have to share why they are not of interest. OK, but but I'll, I'll say this, because, again, we are on the weird side of, of history here where we're old enough to remember what it was like and have lived through it. But we're young enough to, to remember what it's like and have lived through it for, for both sides. So when you were single, whether it was post-first divorce or post-second uh, divorce, I am sure that those nights where you're out with your girlfriends, uh, you got hit on. Mm -hmm. Did you welcome getting hit on or was it an annoyance to you? No, it was an annoyance. And then I would definitely say like the second time, like anytime I went out, I always found a way to sit like by a post so that that way at least one side was always blocked. So you're part of the problem. Like, it, it, yeah. there could have been some great guys out there that tried to initiate conversation with you. And I was not open to it. No, you weren't open to it. I was, and, and I had the bartenders trained, I don't get drink spot for me. If I went on a date, I paid my own way. I didn't want to feel like I owed anybody anything. Um, and not everybody feels that way, and that that's completely okay. But like this day and age, like if somebody buys you a drink, you have to be concerned that something's in it. Like there's a whole like not even just a social factor, but there's a whole different level of a safety factor that you need to be aware of that. I am glad that I didn't live my 20s and what society is nowadays. I mean, you were certainly very cautious um, when we first started dating. Uh, our first date, I offered to pick you up and I was mildly offended when you said no. And you came right on and said, I, I don't want you to know where I live. Mm -hmm. um, that was before you knew me. I was just a guy on an app at that point. Mm -hmm. But I get it now, These, you know, all this time later. But, you know, it made me sort of, I was taken aback a little bit. I had been removed from the dating world for a long time. And usually, you know, first date, you, you pick the girl up, you, you go somewhere and, and you're like, no, I'll meet you, um, but you won't know where I live. And, and that's OK. But is there a, a price? Is there a expectation? Let's say our first date was uh, we're opening. A, there's going to be a new Capitol Grill opening up a, down the street from us at some point this summer. If I took you there and the bill was $400, we enjoyed a bottle of wine and a couple of great steaks, and I pay the bill, am I entitled to believe that there's something owed to me post-date? Or is that something that some men have in their heads? And that's part of the reason why women are flocking to the apps now and doing it in a different way. Well, I think, I think there's an expectation that I just spent this amount of money. And there should be something back in return versus just like getting to know you and like that three date rule, that five date rule. Like, I don't think those things necessarily exist out there anymore. Um, so you don't actually get to know who the person is. And for me, uh, I made my own money. Yep, you did. I have no problem paying for myself. And then once we establish, if I like you, you like me, I kind of get what your character is a little bit. Once we get several dates in, if you want to pay and then I pay or, or we figure out how we're going to do this financial piece and we have a conversation about it, I am comfortable with that. 
But like the idea that like the men always pays or you do this and then you just get up and leave. Like, I think we've evolved too much as society. We've embraced women being independent too much for that to be the routine that we do anymore. So, so men don't always have to pay anymore. But one of the things that I think made me stand out when it came to you was what do I do and what do I still continue to do to this day that I have done since day one when it comes to you? And it's completely free. You open the door. That's it. I can't open a single door. A hundred percent. Well, my hands are full, but when I open, you're like, why'd you do that? I was going to get there to open the door. But you know what? That's a free chivalry gesture that doesn't cost anything. So chivalry is not dead. It's just evolved a little. Yeah, there just needs to be like a different approach, I think, with a modern day woman uh, or an independent woman. I don't even know if modern day woman is the same, like correct term anymore. But I think there's a different approach in how you can show that you're a gentleman that doesn't have to have a value attached to it. Why do you think there are so many people that that we know, uh, whether it's locally here or old friends of ours or people that are just acquaintances through, through social media, it, where it's clear that they're miserable either in their marriage or they're miserable in their post-marriage, you know, next relationship. Everybody, for the most part, seems unhappy. And, and you know, whether it's my good friends, your good friends, people have pointed to us as as being a very happy couple. And I, I, I think we put work into that. And I'm not saying this relationship is hard, but we're both very aware of what the other one needs or is thinking or has gone through every day. For the most part, every day, um, we put the other person before ourselves. And, and I think that that is super, super rare. How can people get back to being successful in their relationships, whether it's their first marriage or their fourth, with the constant temptation always at their fingertips? Well, I think they have to just do something in common. So like in just an average day, we prioritize that we need to get to the gym for an hour. So whether we do that together, whether we do that separately, that is a priority of our days that we have to and on the days when we don't go together, we at least have the conversation in the morning like, when we go through our day and it, is there a window for us to meet there or not? Right. Like, do, do we get the gym date? Do we not get the gym date? Are you going to take a kid? Do I have like a call and I can't get there where you can get there on your schedule? But it's still a priority for you and it's a priority for me to get to the gym every day that we respect. But sometimes we can do it together. I think a second priority for us is if we're not traveling, we sit down and have dinner and dinner does not include phones. So whether that's dinner that we make, whether we go out to eat the once a week that we go out to eat, but we prioritize, we sit at a table and we have a conversation. Or at a bar stool. Right. And it includes friends. It includes family. It includes the kids. These are the dinner rules. And we're going to sit down and have a meal together at the same time if we're home together and not in another state. Like this is a priority. And by the way, that also includes the technology-dependent 13-year-old. He doesn't bring bring his phone or a tablet or a laptop to the the dinner table, and he knows it. My son, your parents, our friends, like, that's the rule. Um, I think we have committed to a bedtime, and we go to bed together, or we go to bed, like, a half hour separate. So, like, you're getting Connor down to go to bed, and I'm downstairs Um, like starting a show that you might not want to watch, but we have a joint show that we'll watch together and we have like a tea routine. And I think it's just like prioritizing, like it's important to get to bed at a certain time. And this is what our bedtime routine is going to look like. It's important for us to get up at a certain time to make sure the kids get off to school, that we get off to work, but we find a way to have like coffee and watch a 20 minute like comedy show every morning, whether it's friends, whether it's office, however we're switching off with that. But we find a way to have 15 to 30 minute interactions on things that are important to us. Um, and then like, we like basketball. We do. That's something that we have in common. If there is a game on, like we fought like crazy to make sure that we were able to sit on that couch for the two o'clock game on Sunday. Yep. Like it took all of us, like laundry done, yard work done, grocery shopping done, trash taken out, gym time was in, uh, things made for the Super Bowl, showered and clean. And you got there on time. I got there 20 minutes late, but it was a priority to sit down and watch that Celtics game. And if the kids were here, 
like they're totally included in that. And I think it's, and we've also made the commitment that travel is important and we need to have vacations. They don't have to be seven to 10 days. They don't have to be ten, twenty thousand dollar trips. No, we take we take two night trips sometimes. But, One night at a hotel in Boston just to get away. But how do we make sure that there's a couple times a year there's something for us to look forward to? So when work gets crazy or I get snotty or you get annoying, that there is something that we can look forward to to reset that isn't gonna break our bank and add another stressor. Yeah, there's nothing worse than looking forward to a vacation because you desperately need to relieve the stress and then coming home and realizing you've got $10,000 in new credit card debt, mm-hmm. which only worsens the stress. And then there's no vacation to fix that. And, and then you get yourself caught up in the endless cycle. And before you know it, it's 10 years later, you're in debt $100,000 and you hate your wife. Like that's real life. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. We've done a really good job of staying connected for these four years and I applaud you for that. But, you know, before we get out of here today, I, you know, seeing that we met through an app mm-hmm. and talking about how, how good our relationship is, are apps good for relationships or are apps going to be the demise of human interaction, relationships, successful partnerships moving forward? I think it's interpretive of the person who uses the app. So I'm going to go back to what I said before. You can't initiate asking somebody if they want to go on a date until they've given permission in an app. But you as the person who's given permission to go on the date in the app gets to choose what is important for you, what are your values, what are your characteristics, what are things that you're looking for that aren't cosmetic, but that are important characteristics for the other person to have, and how true do you stay to yourself to keep that? And if you do that and you genuinely find somebody else who is even 75% as committed to doing that as well, then yes, you can have a good match. But you can't just go out, run into somebody at Starbucks and find a date anymore. So you have to be smart on how you go through the app. There's a there's another podcast and I've been listening to it since we started this one. And it, it, it's something else, but it's essentially, um, I met my murderer through a dating app is the name of it. And it's a story told, a true story told every week, essentially from the perspective of the person that got murdered from a dating app. And it's shocking, the the stories that are told out there. But these poor girls, and in some cases, poor guys, you know, they go on Tinder, they go on Hinge, they go on Grindr, they go on one of these apps, and, and, you know, they've had 15 successful dates, and it's become second nature. I think kids that are 18 to 30, I think it's it's almost as second nature as sitting down on the couch and, and flipping on a TV. It, it, that's what they do to, to sort of fill their time. They don't need plans for the weekend on a Wednesday because on Friday night at 6 o'clock, they can just open up an app and, and have a date within an hour. But that's why you see such a rise in, in whether it's rapes or murders or these terrible things happening. And there's got to be a way to police them better well, it's are they being selective? Because I guarantee you some of these people, they're like, yeah, this is my name. I this is my age. This is my eye color. And I like dogs. And they don't write a description about themselves. Yeah. If there's no description, no details, they're not that interested in sharing who they are with you. That's the reality of it. And then when the details are there, do those details align with who you are and who your interests are? And if you're being selective in that manner... You can prevent some of those creepy situations. I think we're making a lot of decisions off. Oh, they're cute. And they say they're a lawyer, so they have money. And let's go on a date. And you're in an awful situation. So the moral of the story is be selective and do your homework and and don't rush into things. Correct. That's that's your advice. Yeah. If you're divorced and starting to date over 40, (laughs) you got to be selective. You can use the apps. The apps are a wonderful tool, but you can't rely on them. Just don't settle and be kind. And if somebody can't be kind back to you, like, what are your red flags? And if your red flags up, trust your gut. I think somebody needs to, like, buy a small island out there where it's only single people over 40 years old and they've all met some sort of qualification to get on the island. And it's, you know, you go for a week, you go for two weeks, you go for a month. But every woman that goes there is not only willing to, but has 
accepted and is excited about the fact that she's going to get hit on old school. I mean, like churches, they have singles. And churches, like, come on. I'm like, I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to meet my next wife at a church. But if you're I'm talking about, Elliot, you know, like, go there and there's something fundamentally wrong with society when you can't go to a bar as a single guy I, and see a single woman there and just want to walk up and say hi. But you can't do it anymore without running the risk of offending her or pissing her off. Mm -hmm. And, and that, is, that is missing from society today. Well, and the reality is, is that the response in a negative manner is because they have already been burned in the past. Yeah. And the nice guy does have to suffer the consequence for that. Nice guys really do finish last. Well, I don't know. Do you think he finished? Am I a nice guy? Well, of course. <laughs> or else I wouldn't be here. Okay. All right. That's Chat with Pat and Cat. Week three is in the books, brought to you by uh, Jill and Company Realty here in southern New Hampshire. Their newest spectacular real estate agent, Katrina Pateri. Find her at uh, 603-479-1028. Give them your email address. Katrina. Katrina like the what? And this is just in houses. <laughs> No, yeah, there'll be no dates. I don't care how great you think you are. She is taken and she is mine. Also brought to you by Titan Hair, TitanHair.com. International travel for your uh, hair needs. It is medical tourism. It is awesome. And you don't have to go to Boston or New York City or LA and spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars for a spectacular hair transplant. Twenty five hundred dollars will get you there. We'll get you a translator. We'll get you airfare. We'll get you in and out of Istanbul in three days flat. Come back home to your beautiful wife girlfriend that you just met on a dating app because you can't meet her in person and you can impress her with your $2,500 hair at titanhair.com. That'll do it for week three of chat with Cat and Pat. Well, guys, we'll talk to you guys in one week. Until then, bye-bye.